0: Chelsea and I have three kids. We've been married now almost 20 years. It's actually hard to believe it. Uh, we got three kids. Zion is our oldest, he is 15. I almost forgot his age. Uh, Elliot is 12 and our little girl Grace is 10. And one of the great joys of life, if you have kids, nieces, nephews, Or even neighbors Uh, it's so awesome being a part of your kids lives watching them grow up and by the way I'm gonna sound so old it goes so fast right they grow up so fast but part of our daily routine um, it's not intended it's not planned it's not prepared for but part of our daily routine always includes one of the three kids saying something to the effect of what about me what about me right you have three kids almost always one of them is gonna feel either left out not seen not heard can I get some ice cream then can I get a sucker can I get some candy what about me and of course as a dad and a mom Chelsea and I can so easily get frustrated right you're like ah what about you you're fine you're you're so provided for but it's actually our human condition isn't it it's our nature to ask the question well what about me? Let's be honest for a moment. For those of us that follow Jesus, one of the operative words in our whole belief system is serve, right? Jesus was quoted saying, I actually didn't come to be served. I came to serve, giving my life away. One of our mantras in our faith system is, hey, we're going to be servants, right? We're the servants of all. I grew up in a preacher's home. And so the greatest of all is the servant of all, son. You have to be a servant. But sometimes in all this serving or trying to be a servant you do find yourself maybe in the quiet of night before you fall asleep wondering well who's going to take care of my who's going to take care of me you know what about me and that takes us to one of the most famous chapters most famous passages in all of the bible i would like to go on record to say i think it is the most framed passage in christian homes everywhere it's psalms 23. and here david pens one of the great poems, one of the great songs in human history. And it starts like this. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Can I ask you a question today? Do you believe God is your shepherd? The Lord is my shepherd, David says. And he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake, and it, it goes on and on. I'm kind of confronted today when considering this famous passage, this ancient passage that many of you, I'm sure, watching have either heard reference. You could be like, man, I'm, I'm not even a believer in Jesus, but I think I've heard that passage quote. It's been in movies. Um, it's been in, in uh, plays and theatrical productions literally for hundreds of years. But I think sometimes we don't personalize it. David says, God is my personal shepherd. What about me? What about you? I want to encourage you today to remember that God is your God. He is your shepherd. And look what he did for David, because what he did for David, he does for me and he does for you. He says, the Lord is like a shepherd to me. And here's what he does. I'm a part of his flock. I'm a part of his herd. I'm one of his sheep. And look at the two things he does. He he leads me or he makes me first of all lie down in what kind of pasture? Green pastures. Green well what pastures that are green are good eating for sheep. And then it goes on and says he leads me not by rushing waters where it's hard to drink for the sheep, but he leads me beside still waters where I can freely drink. I do not think life is easy. We're going to talk about that in a moment. And there are really challenging seasons ahead. But can I just ask us a question? And sometimes the greatest hurdle is actually accepting that God is good and he wants to do you good. Even in the midst of pain and tragedy and difficulty and loss and mystery and things beyond your understanding, do you believe in a shepherd? that will lead you in pastures that are lush and green so that you can eat? Do you believe in a shepherd who won't lead you by rushing waters, but will lead you by still waters where you can easily drink? This tells me something about God. David in this poem, in this song, is revealing for us the nature of our God. God is inspiring this song written by David. God is telling us something about his nature. He's like a shepherd. He is a, the Bible calls him, the good shepherd. He's not just a shepherd. He's not just any shepherd. He is the good shepherd, which means he will always provide for us. That's what David said. He says, hey, he is my personal shepherd. I shall not want. And certainly that means you shall not want emotionally mentally and physically that God will provide for you. But I think it also means very tangibly. Maybe you find yourself right now going, man, I literally cannot cover my bills. I don't know where my paycheck's gonna come from. I don't know how this is all going to work out. I just wanna be someone who goes to my grave believing that there is a God who is so good that the same green pastures that a shepherd leads his sheep into, he's gonna lead me into. I say this all the time, but what's the alternative, right? What's the alternative? We're gonna believe in a God who leads us to barren pastures and rushing waters almost to taunt us right that God is some cosmic killjoy he's playing this sick game with us and he's going to lead us to these pastures that are like that illusion it looks like they're good eating but we get to the pasture and there's nothing in terms of provision there's nothing there to feed on and then we get to water but only upon getting there it's rushing so fast that we can't drink from it at all I believe in a God thousands of years ago God recorded his character through David. And we're told that he is a good shepherd. Now, an interesting twist happens in this story. And it's really uh, I, I haven't seen it before, because in addition to verse three, David says he leads me in the right paths or the paths of righteousness for his namesake. So I love this. David says God is so good. He's so amazing that he ensures that I'm on the right path. Now, First of all. That's kind of hard to digest. If you're like me, I feel like I have been on the wrong path quite often. But evidently, David says, no, he's going to lead me on the right path. Do you feel like you're on the wrong path right now? Do you feel like God's a million miles away and it's like, God, I'm going down this bleak path, this dead end path, and you're not intervening? You're not interjecting. You're not involving yourself. I can't be on the right path. I think one of the primary reasons we conclude we're not on the right path with God is our surroundings, the elements. It seems not enjoyable. It seems not fun. It seems painful. It seems difficult. Look at this for a moment. Talk about a paradox. David says, he leads me in the right path. And the very next verse says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Wait a minute, David. Make up your mind. Are you on the right path or are you on the path to the valley of the shadow of death? Which one is it? Evidently, it's both. Evidently, you can be on the right path and still be going through the most difficult steps and season in your existence but if you're like me, like normal people, right, you conclude this can't be the right path because the right path would be painless. The right path wouldn't be hard. The right path wouldn't be dark. The right path wouldn't feel like I'm in the shadows. The right path would be the sun is on my face, everyone's happy, it's jelly beans and ice cream, full of laughter, life is good. That's the path, when we say right path, that's the path I want, right? The right path is the path I want. I want pain-free. I want, I, I want no problems, no challenges, no difficulties. But David gives us ancient insight into this path that God leads us on. And how many know Christianity is not a dogma? It is a, it's a journey of following Jesus down his path. And evidently, his path is right But his path is not always without pain and challenge and difficulty. It's been said, bear with me. It's a little bit of a cliche, but if you're going through hell, my dad used to say, just don't stop. Just don't stop. And can I encourage you today? Don't be so quick to jump to conclusions. This, I must be doing something wrong. Now, sometimes you're doing things so right and that right path sometimes has some very difficult turns some very challenging seasons and this leads me to uh, kind of the concluding observation i want to talk about it says even though even though i walk i'm on the right path but that path leads me through the valley of the shadow of death i'm not going to fear evil for you're with me you're with me you're with me can we just stop right there and make one of the most important observations um, well in the history of mankind to be quite frank Uh, you are not alone. Hey, what about me? You sound like one of my kids. You feel like that. I felt like that all the time. What about me, God? What about me? I'm trying to do what you want me to do, trying to serve people. Are you going to take care of me? And one of the most important answers from God is he will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, that's a promise. That doesn't always mean that we'll feel him. That doesn't always mean that we will know that we know that we know God's with me. I've done this so many times in those seasons where I'm like, I feel alone. Or I feel like God's not with me. I'm like, God, give me a sign. Give me a sign. You know, I'm looking for anything, a hummingbird, you know, an eagle, whatever it is. God, give me a sign. And oftentimes there is no sign, except there is a promise in the Bible that, that I'm not alone. Even when I feel alone, even when I look like I'm alone, I'm not alone for you are with me. And then David writes something that's really interesting. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They comfort me. Now, I don't know a lot about sheep and shepherds. I didn't um, grow up uh, with a a lot of agriculture and farming and and these types of things. I don't even really know how to talk about it. But I know enough to know that the staff with the herd of the sheep, um, I don't know if it's a pack or a herd, by the way. But I think a pack is wolf and herd is sheep. Uh, but I may not have that correct but anyways I know that the staff is there to guide the sheep right it's there to kind of hey if the sheep are getting wayward the staff is there as a as a guide and so it's like okay the staff comforts because it guides so God's saying hey I'm, a, I'm one who guides you I will guide you and lead you and comfort you that way what a promise again David's saying this is why I'm not afraid when life is bleak and dark and difficult and and painful because you like a shepherd have a staff and you will guide me in my wanderings you'll guide me when i'm getting off track and you'll keep me on the right path as painful as it may be but then david says i'm not just comforted by the staff i'm comforted by your rod and i'm like well how does the rod comfort the sheep right because the rod is for discipline and of course it becomes clear if you look at the shepherds that the rod's actually not for the sheep. The rod is for any any outside element, particularly other predators who would try to prey or hurt the sheep. In other words, David is saying God is going to fight for you. God is going to resist your enemies. God is going to eliminate predators that will harm you And hurt you. I love this one verse. It says that God will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Man, do you feel like there's an area in your life where you're just, things are just going out, nothing's coming in? You just, maybe that's resource. It's like constant outflow of resource, and you can't find income, you can't find provision. I want to encourage you I believe in my shepherd, God is your shepherd. He will rebuke, he will beat off the predators in your life. And of course, not specifically talking about other people, as much as just things that oppose us. And this life is difficult enough, and oftentimes it's like you can't keep track of your money, you can't keep track of your finances. You're like, why is money just going out? These bills cost so much, life is so expensive, this is so difficult, and I can't seem to catch up. And then tax season rolls around, you're like, I don't even have, this isn't you know going to work. David says, wait a minute, what I've learned about God is that He will rebuke the devourer. He is a provider, but He will also fight for us. That's amazing, because, you know, the Scripture goes on later in the New Testament to say that the fight that we fight is the fight of faith. We're not called to a fight physically. We're called to a fight to trust, to rely. Can you and I trust in this good shepherd? Can we trust that? Can we believe? Can we expect, hey, I'm going to have green pastures. I'm going to have still waters. Man, for me in this life and the older you get, the more you're exposed to pain, calamity, difficulty, challenge. Uh, I feel like in so many ways, Church Home has been in a season where so many of my friends, even leaders in our community are going through some of the most difficult circumstances, loss, pain and mystery that many of us have ever gone through and you start to wonder um, maybe the green pastures aren't real maybe the still waters aren't for me maybe god won't use the rod to protect me Um, maybe i've done something wrong maybe it's true for everybody but it's not true for me and you find yourself like like my kids going well god what about me guess it doesn't work for me man i've heard people over the years tell me things like and i certainly don't blame them for saying this but hey man it works for you and that's cool i respect that this works for you it's just not for me and of course i have the utmost respect for people and their choices in this life and i love that about this life we, we do have free will but i just want to say that i am persuaded i am convinced that god is a shepherd for one and god is a shepherd for all David says the Lord is my shepherd can you and I believe today that he is our shepherd Jesus is my shepherd even saying that right just feels like there's there's strength and energy Jesus is my shepherd Jesus is my shepherd what does that mean Um, I'm not gonna be in need I'm not gonna be in need that God is gonna be my provider and though I will go through some valleys He's going to put me on the right path. I mean, that, he's the shepherd. Sheep, no disrespect. Sheep are not the smartest animals in the world in the animal kingdom, but the shepherd is good. And so here's what I believe about your life. There is a God and he is so good and he is your shepherd. He's so good. He doesn't want you to live this life of constantly in want. He wants to provide for you. He wants to protect you. I believe your life is going to be full of green pastures. Why not? I believe your life is going to have still waters. I believe that there is a God who's so big and so grand and so good that he is going to keep bringing you back to the right path. I believe in a God who's so amazing that no matter how dark and how difficult that valley of the shadow of death that you're in, you're going to keep moving. You're not going to live there. This is not going to be the end of your story. You're going to move through that. And he is going to be so good. He's going to comfort you with his staff to guide you and his rod to beat off the predators and devourers in your life who would rob and steal from you. I believe that there's more to this song and there's more to this poem, but I want to just stop there. And I'd like to take a moment and pray. Um, I certainly feel you know, you read these ancient words and you're like, I don't know, this makes for a really good poem or song, and it is beautiful, but man, it is hard to believe it for me. And I'm sure you it's hard to believe it for you. Could God be this good? Um, actually, I believe he's gooder. I believe that we can't even comprehend um, the height, the width, the depth, the length, of his goodness and his love for us. Um, So so what I'm gonna pray is, and I guess I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna pray, then I'm gonna pray it. But I'd like to pray for for each of us, um, that God, I don't think we can digest and accept this goodness without God. God has to help us trust God. That's what he does. And persuade us again that this is his plan, that your future is gonna be full of green pastures and still waters. I believe that I want to pray that for you. God, I thank you. I Thank you for everyone engaging right now, everyone watching and thinking around your ancient scripture. I thank you for this song, this poem. It speaks to us about who you are. I will be the first to admit in this entire community that it is really hard sometimes to believe that you are the good shepherd, that you are the ultimate shepherd. Lord, I can only imagine what so many of us in community are facing right now in our life, things so beyond our understanding and control. We need your divine persuasion. We need you to persuade us again, like you did for David thousands of years ago. We're asking that you would persuade us again to believe that you are my good shepherd. That's who you are. I ask that you'd persuade us, encounter us, meet us in a real way. And we thank you for that in Jesus name. Amen. Church, thank you so much um, for watching. Lastly, I want to say this for all those um, who are considering Jesus and this life that he welcomes us into. I want to remind you it is defined by forgiveness. It's defined by a free gift. And that gift is forgiveness and you can't earn it. You can't deserve it. Um, It's just a gift paid for by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And that is the news we share. It's the news um, we communicate. And so if you would like to accept that forgiveness, you can do so right where you are. Just accept it. Um, You could say something as simple as, I believe. Oftentimes in gatherings, I'll have people raise their hand just to kind of make a tangible response that, hey, I'm gonna go ahead and accept the forgiveness of Jesus. I'm gonna accept that He's God. I'm gonna accept that He is um, in control and that He's the creator of heaven and earth. If you'd like to do that right where you are right now, you can simply say something like, I believe, I accept. You could even raise your hand, you might be in the middle of Starbucks with headphones on going like this. Um, But uh, I believe that in this one moment of acceptance, you're forgiven forever and ever without end. And that's the good news of Jesus. Um, One of the great privileges of my life is to be a part of this community. Um, to get to lead in this community. So thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for listening. Uh, We love you, church, and we'll talk soon.